who Jesus is and what he's done and, and what his names are. I mean, we can get all kind of crazy theologies going about Jesus, but what we really want to do is just set the record straight about who Jesus is. How many of you want to know just really who Jesus is? The truth and nothing but the truth. So help you God. Well, I hope to do that this morning. Today we're going to continue talking, and and, in the last couple of weeks we talked about how, just to review, Jesus is, first week was he qualifies to be your best friend. And some of us have a hard time putting our mind around that because we put Jesus in this place where he's unreachable and untouchable, and we can't communicate with him, and we can't be his friend. Right? How many of you are guilty of that? Don't raise your hand, but you might be guilty of that. I've been guilty of that. Where we, I've put Jesus in this place where, okay, there's Jesus. He's in his box, and this is my life, and if I need something, I'll go to him. But it kind of blows my thinking out the water when somebody says that Jesus is your friend. Who, me? Really? The Bible says that you're actually a joint heir with Christ if you're led by the Spirit. That means that anything that Jesus inherits is, is what you inherit. You see how God puts you right there next to Jesus. And I, I'll be honest with you, I have a hard time with that. You with me? That's kind of hard. That's a hard pill to swallow. That, that God sees me as a joint heir with Jesus. I'm thinking, man, I have nothing to do with Jesus. I don't qualify to be in the same room as Jesus. And that's the truth, but he qualifies me to be there. Amen? So Jesus is my best friend. We've talked about how Jesus is the great teacher. Jesus is the shepherd. Jesus is the miracle worker. And we've talked about how as a shepherd, how if we don't let Jesus care for us, then we become unhealthy. Remember that? We just, life gets out of balance. It gets out of whack. We get, we get stressed out. We get emotionally crazy. We just, things go wacko whenever we don't let the shepherd take care of us. It's like having hard-headed sheep. Right? They don't want to go to the green grass. I'm comfortable here. So what do you got? You got to beat the sheep to get him over there to the, to the green pasture. Right? We've got a chicken. You've heard my story about chickens. We got one chicken. We, we moved the pen yesterday. And this one chicken, I got a loaf of bread. And I'm holding the net up. And I'm like, here, chick, 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 chick. And he won't come. And all 10 of, his, or 10 of her sisters are over there eating on bread. And I'm like, hardhead, I got something for you. But sometimes we're like that, right? We won't let Jesus care for us. And as a shepherd, he wants to care for us. Amen? The Bible says to cast your cares upon him because he cares for us. And last week we talked about how Jesus is coming back. And I don't know about you, but that messed me up. Seriously. That messed me up all week. I mean, I went through the whole week just kind of looking over my shoulder. You know, it's... Thunder which like thunder which sounded. <laughs> I mean, because you preach it and you kind of start thinking. Because I really believed what I preached. That's a good thing. And today we're going to talk about Jesus as God, and we're going to show you a few ways that Jesus just really got himself into trouble by making some certain claims about himself. So Jesus is God. Most people have a hard time believing that Jesus is God, right? You got some, I'll just throw it out here straight. We got some churches that believe in this thing called the Trinity, that God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are one, right? And then you got some churches that don't believe that, right? They believe that Jesus is the only one, right? And you got other churches that just believe all kind of crazy stuff. But Jesus is God, and the Bible, prove it to you in the Bible in, in John chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, it says, In the beginning was the Word. That word, Word, is actually a description of Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. Now that can get confusing. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Kind. Verse 14, it says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the only, the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So the Bible's describing Jesus as the word. And it says that the word was with God, and the word was God. 
So if you replace the word, word, with Jesus, it says that Jesus was with God in the beginning, and Jesus was God. Are you getting this? And to prove that it was Jesus, the, the, the second verse says that Jesus, the word, came to the earth to become flesh and to live among us. Now watch this in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. It says, then God said, let us make human beings, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over all the fish in the sea. All you fishermen, that's a good thing. Birds in the sky for all you duck hunters, the livestock for all you farmers, and all the wild animals for you deer hunters and then that hunt anything else. And the small animals that scurry along the ground. That's for guys that hunt squirrels. So, he said, God said this, he said, let us make man in our image. Well, who is God talking about? Him and who? Jesus. Let us make humankind, man, woman, in our image. So do you know that you're made in the image of God and Jesus? Because the two are one. Amen? Amen. So Jesus is God. Can I stop right there and we go home? Thank you. All right. I'll ask you that again in 20 minutes. So I want to show you a couple of claims that Jesus made about himself that really got him in trouble. <laughs> Number one, Jesus claimed to be God. Now, if you, if you read about Jesus and you study Jesus, you know that Jesus didn't go around making this claim very often. He was very, very tactful and very, very precise in what he said and who he said it in front of. In other words, the things that he shared with his disciples, he didn't share out in the public so that the religious leaders and the chief priests could hear him because it wasn't time for him to be crucified. You see, his claim to be God is actually what got him crucified. You remember the story when they arrested him and if you watch the passion, when they, after they've beat him and they drug him into the, the, the temple court and all the chief priests come out and they, they're looking at him and they're saying all these things. And then they, they say this verse, the chief priest out of Matthew 26, it says the chief priests were looking for false evidence against Jesus so they could put him to death, but they did not find any. Then they said, tell us if you are the Christ, the son of God. And listen to Jesus' response. Yes, it is as you say. Jesus replied. You remember in the movie, the one chief priest that really wanted him dead, rips his robe, blasphemy! You remember that? And they started spitting on him and they started beating him. Why? Because he claimed to be the son of God or God, right? He claimed to be the Christ, the Messiah. The one that they were all expecting to come, but they didn't like the package he came in. Right? So Jesus, number one, claimed to be God. Number two, he claimed to be the only way. Watch what he says in John 14, 6. Jesus answered, says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, that's a pretty proud statement, right? I am the way. Now, what? let's just pretend... If we started this Sunday morning off all over again, and I came up here and I said, I just need to tell you something. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the light. And none of you can come to the Father except through me. The church would be empty, I would assume. And actually, I would hope, because if you believe that, then I'm really scared. But Jesus makes this statement, and then he makes a statement that I, I am God. That's a pretty radical statement, right? And for those that didn't know him well and really didn't like him, that was offensive. Let me throw this out at you. How many of you have a hard time, you don't need to raise your hand, but how many of you have a hard time just saying Jesus in everyday conversation? Just be real. How many of you have that? You just have a hard time saying Jesus. I don't know about you, but for me, sometimes it's just hard to let that roll off of my tongue. It's easy to say what? God. Why? Because everybody knows the word God. Right? It, it, to most people, it's really not that threatening. But when you say Jesus, it seems to be a little more threatening. Right? Or a little more intimidating. Or a little more powerful. 
or a little more scary. Especially if you're in sin. Right? But I don't know. Am I the only one like that? It's just, it's hard to say sometimes. Just, gee, it's not that I don't say it. It's just sometimes it's hard to let that roll off of my tongue. So the question is, is who do you say that Jesus is? Because there was a point where Jesus came to his disciples and he says, who do people say that I am? And you remember they all gave different answers. And when Peter gave the right answers, he said, Peter, you were given that by God. Right? So who do you say that Jesus is? I want to read you something that C.S. Lewis wrote in a book called Mere Christianity. He reads it this way. It goes, a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who would say that he is a poached egg. Or he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can, you can shut him up for a fool or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any, any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He's not left that open to us. So Jesus, because of his claims, can either be three things. A lunatic, a liar, or Lord. Right? He can either be a madman, or a compulsive liar, or he can be Lord. And then the thing is, is that you got to make up your mind, who is he to you? Who is Jesus to you? Who do you say that Jesus is? You with me? There was a famous professor that lived in the 1700s. His name was Dr. Simon Greenleaf. And he did a study on the resurrection. And he said this. He said, there's actually more evidence to prove the resurrection of Jesus than there has been to prove any other event in history. More evidence to prove the resurrection. So what does it mean for us that Jesus is God? What do we gain from that? Is it just head knowledge? Is it just say, well, okay, now I know clearly that Jesus is God. Pastor Jamie beat us up with the scriptures and now we know. You could say that. Or we could go to Philippians and it says this, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's something about the name. Are you hearing me? There's something about the name. They wrote songs about that. There's a song, there's something about the name. I'm not going to sing it for you. <laughs> but if Jesus is God, then there's some things that we get to experience because of that. And some things that Jesus allows us to experience. And I want to share those with you this morning. Number one, we get to experience his power. If you're taking notes, we get to experience Jesus's power. Amen. Some of you have experienced his power before. Some of you haven't. Some of you are longing to experience his power. Some of you have experienced his power and didn't even realize it was his power. Right? I think we're all guilty of that from time to time. Sometimes we take credit for his power. Y'all didn't see that brick coming, did you? And it's not just to know that Jesus has power and that we can experience his power. But it's to experience his power is the difference. Are you with me? I share with our LDT class on, on Wednesday that my, my best friend and I, we were discipled together. And it was all a lot of it was a lot of head knowledge. I learned a lot of scripture and I memorized scripture. and I studied the Bible every day and I wrote applications that I never applied. And I did all these things and I had this tremendous amount of head knowledge about God. And then God called us out of that and he moved us over here where he said, Put your Bible down. This was for me. You can't take this. He, he said, put your Bible down and you're going to learn about me in everyday life. And for two years, I went on a journey where I experienced his power. You see, I had plenty here, but I didn't have plenty here. You with me? 
And there's a there's a vast difference between knowing that Jesus is powerful and actually experiencing that power. So my best friend and I were talking and he's going through something and I'm going through something and and we're sharing with one another. And he goes, man, you know, it's just. It sure is. This thing ain't fun, but it sure is good to experience God's power. I go, yeah, man, you're right. I said to go from here to here is tremendous. To say you know Jesus, but then to really know Jesus is something different. And sometimes we get satisfied at just knowing about Jesus and we think that's all we need to do. When the Bible clearly says that he's given us the right to know him. And that word know in the Bible means to literally have intimate experiences with Jesus. That's the kind of know he wants us to know. It's the intimate experiences. It's when he shows up in your quiet time. It's when he shows up in the place that, you, that you're hiding from everybody else. The place that you're struggling with in sin. The thing that you're wrestling with. When he shows up and he gives you power to overcome. You get to know him better. Amen? When problems come your way and water line bust underneath your slab and people come and try to take your money and all these things happen to you, you get to either do two things. You get to get bitter and miss what you have as an opportunity in front of you or you get to get just deeper into God. You press in, you pray for things and you walk through that thing and you get to know him better. Right? The choice is up to us. We can either run from this opportunity or we can run to it. The crazy thing about this year is that I've heard time and time again, people talk about not just suffering, but like when Pastor Willem came, he said to live the blessed life actually means to go through junk. I was like, I don't want to hear this message. I don't like that. That don't feel good. Right? But when I'm going through the junk, I'm blessed because I get to know God better. I get to experience his power and he's given us the right to experience his power. Amen. John nine says that finally they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? And listen to what the blind man says. They were drilling him. All these religious leaders were drilling him because he got healed and wanted to know this thing about Jesus. And they made accusations about Jesus. And he says this, the blind man replies, he goes, well, listen, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. You see, you need to stop worrying about being a great theologian and and memorizing scripture and spitting words out and saying all the right cliches and all the right Christianese. You need to stop worrying about that and you just need to have a testimony that he's that. Right? All I know is that I was blind and now I see. All I know is that when I, when I, I, my back was hurting and now it's not. I mean, we've seen ladies and or people get that, that were born with one leg shorter than the other. They lived their whole life and then get healed and touched by God. And they're both long. What can they say? All I know is one leg was shorter than the other. But now I wear regular shoes. Right. Who can argue with that? You see, they were trying to argue with the blind man. They were trying to convince him that it wasn't Jesus that healed him. And he was evidently wasn't very educated about Jesus. He just said, look, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if what you're saying is true about him, but all I know is that I couldn't see and now I can. That's your testimony. All I know is that I was a loser. I thought I was God's gift to women. Stop laughing at me. You thought you was too. I thought I was the man. I thought I was smart. I thought I could have my cake and eat it too. I could live like I wanted and when I die, go to heaven. Because I made a profession when I was a kid. All I know is I'm not that anymore. I realize I'm not God's gift to women. I'm his gift to one woman. She loves me. And I'm really attracted to her. <laughs> I just got to tell you, I'm grossly in love with my wife. I don't know about the rest of you guys, but I am. 
Acts 1 says this, it says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He says, Jesus says this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and then you will be my witnesses. He didn't say, then you will start quoting scripture. He says, then you will be my witnesses. You will tell people what you saw, what you heard, what you felt. Right? You're going to tell people about your experience with God. You're not just going to transfer your head knowledge over to them. You see, I got a pretty gross testimony about being filled with the Holy Spirit. It was, a, it was quite a nasty experience. And, and, but it was a very powerful experience. And my best friend that I grew up with, we were discipled together and we didn't believe in the whole baptism, the Holy Spirit thing and all that. We wrestled with it for years. And, and so I was at this, this meeting and they started playing music. And the second song in, I'm on my face on the front row. I'm the biggest guy in the building and I'm crying my eyes out. I mean, I was embarrassed, but I couldn't stop. I'm, I'm out on the floor. And so they played two more songs. Nobody stopped. They didn't care about me. They played two more songs. And then they started praying for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm stuck. I'm not lying to you. I am literally stuck on the floor. Now, I could leg press 1,500 pounds 20 times. I'm a strong man. I was. Especially in that day. I could not get myself off the floor. In fact, the next couple of days, my muscles cramped because I was trying to get off the floor. I'm, I'm serious. I was pinned to the floor. So the whole thing's going on. They're praying for people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I hear guys start praying in tongues. I'm like, man, that's T-Ball. He just got prayed in tongues. Oh, my goodness. And I'm crying. <laughs> Snot and, and sweat and tears. I'm, I'm not lying to you. I had a puddle this big. It was gross. And I'm there. And so the, it just keeps going. They pray for everybody. Then it's over. And I'm still on the floor. I can't get up. And I'm like, come on, Lord. This ain't funny anymore. Seriously? I mean, they're picking up chairs, stacking chairs, and I'm out on the floor, the big guy. And finally, I just surrendered. I said, okay, Lord, do whatever you got to do to me. And he released me. And I got up to my knees, and I'm not lying to you. I felt like I was sitting or kneeling in front of his throne. I literally felt like I was in heaven in front of his throne. And I'm just sitting there just blown away by what just happened to me. And the guy came up and says, Hey man, you all right? I mean, people was walking by dropping tissues. It was, it was sick. I mean, just I'm like, why don't y'all throw a towel? That would be better. And, and this guy goes, says, you all right? I'm saying, yeah, man, I'm good. He says, can I pray for you? I said, please. And he prayed for me. and I received the baptism of the Holy spirit right there in that moment. It's a crazy story. Isn't it? It's kind of wacky, isn't it? I mean, if you could see your faces in some of the looks you're giving me right now, you would really know that that's a crazy story. But let me tell you something. You cannot argue that story with me. There's not a single person in this room that can argue what happened to me. Cannot. Why? Because I experienced the power of Jesus. It was an experience. It was more than head knowledge. Right? You see, you can argue head knowledge and you can reconvince somebody of something. But you cannot argue experience. Right, Miss Mary? You cannot argue experience. I thank God for that experience. I get to share it with people and see how they look. It's great. So Jesus allows us to experience his power. Number two, he allows us to experience his presence. This is one of my most favorite ones right now in my, in, in this, this point in my life, this is one of my favorite ones because I, I'm just wanting more and more and more to be, and not only be in his presence, stay in his presence. I'm serious. I want to stay in the presence of God. I'm like, I'm like, Lord, tell me what I'm doing to shut it off. Tell me what I'm doing to run it off. Tell me, what is it, Lord? Show me, am I doing something wrong or do I just need to keep believing that I'm in it? But I want to stay in your presence. 
Every Sunday morning, I get the worship team and the sound team and we go in there and we pray. And the thing we pray for more than anything else is that when you come to church, you experience the presence of God. That's a one top on my list. Because so many things happen when you experience the presence of God. He can do things that no man can ever do to you when you experience his presence. He took my daddy who was lost on his fourth divorce, broken. He went to a church. I'd been praying for him. I, was, I prayed, God, send somebody to my daddy. He lived four and, a half, four and a half hours away. Send somebody. My dad was walking on a track, exercising. Five in the morning, this big guy shows up and starts walking with him. And the guy's a full-blown believer, witnesses to my daddy, invites him to church. My daddy goes to the church. It's an Assembly of God church. He's in that church service. The lights are down. They're having worship. And he said, son, I couldn't help it. I just started crying. He says, something was in that room. And he said, I couldn't deny that it was there. And all I did was cry. And I said, Daddy, that was, a, that was the presence of God. And to this day, I don't care what he says or what he's doing. He cannot deny what he experienced. Amen. I was just excited. I was like, yes, Lord. You hunted him down just like I told you to. And then you sent a big man, too. He didn't send no feminine man to go chase. You sent a man's man to go chase my daddy down. Caught him on the racetrack. That's what I'm talking about. We get to experience his presence. First Corinthians 14 says, but if an unbeliever or someone who does not understand comes in while everybody is prophesying, he will be convinced by all that he is a sinner and he will be judged by all. And the secrets of his heart will be laid bare. So he will, he will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. You know what I want for you when you leave on Sundays is I want you to leave with just, just this, this experience that you know what I've been in the presence of God. And let me let you in on a little secret. It's not me, the worship team, and the sound team that's responsible for bringing the presence of God in the room. Sunday service is for the fellowship of the believers. And if an unbeliever comes in, praise God. But we should all be bringing in this presence of God with us that we've been experiencing all week. So you see, I just want to put a little weight back on you this morning. Can I do that? Good, I'm going to do it anyway. You need to be in the presence of God all week so that when you get here on Sunday, we all get to share in it together. Amen. Amen. There should be an explosion of the presence of God. Amen. I'm not, I'm not against the gifts. I'm not against the breakout things and all that. I'm not against that. I just don't want it man-made. I want it real. And I want us as believers to be in the presence of God all week and when we come together. That's what I challenge the worship team with. Don't come here on Sunday and think you're going to get up in the presence of God. You need to be there before you get here. But he gives us the right. He allows us to experience his presence. And the crazy thing is, is if we don't take advantage of the opportunity, who's suffering? We are and the kingdom is. Amen. It's a right. It's been given to you by Jesus. He says, here, I want you to. He's got his hands open. I want you to experience my power. I want you to experience my presence. All he wants for us to do is to take it. Amen. (coughs) Excuse me. Exodus 33 says this. Then Moses said, if you do, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and on your people, if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. <laughs> Moses understood that the, 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 extreme, the extremeness of God's presence. And he said, he said to God, this is a bold statement. He says, God, if you don't come with us, I ain't going. I ain't going without your presence. You see the attitude there. I'm not moving forward without your presence. 
I'm not preaching without your presence. I'm not going to work without your presence. I'm not going to the grocery store without your presence. I'm not going to that birthday party or that family reunion. Please don't go to the family reunion without the presence of God. You're going to come back with a black eye. I'm not going anywhere without your presence. We need to have the attitude that Moses has. It wasn't a question of if I can have your presence. He said, I'm not going anywhere without your presence. And sometimes that requires us to wait on his presence. That's your favorite word. Wait. It's my favorite word too. So we get to experience his power. We get to experience his presence. You liking this so far? Are you excited about this? All this good stuff you're getting this morning? Number three, we get to experience his peace. Say peace. peace. That was way too peaceful. Say peace. peace. There you go. We get to experience his peace. Let me say something to you. And I hope this breaks down every little thing that's trying to steal your peace. You have the right to peace. Peace is yours. The Holy Spirit showed me some of you ain't sleeping good at night. Because you don't have peace. Let me say to you. Peace be still. Lack of peace go. And the peace of God rest upon you in Jesus name. Now you go home and sleep. Not right now but go when it's time. (laughs) But we get to experience his peace. How many of you want peace? Two of you. Dear goodness I'm starting over. Go back to the beginning. Let's go. I want peace. When I get home, I want peace. I want a piece of this. I want a piece of this. <laughs> I want a piece of my recliner. I want a piece of cheesecake. I want a piece of chicken. But all in all, I really want some God's peace. Amen. I come home and listen to the kids are fighting. Ain't no peace. If my wife's upset. Ain't no peace. And you ain't getting a piece of chicken. You ain't getting a piece of nothing. <laughs> so what do you do when you come home? You establish peace. So that means if the kids are acting like a bunch of hooligans, you straighten them out. Right? I got hard on my son yesterday. I got home, my wife, Virginia's old enough to watch the kids, so we went out Friday night and came home, and then Saturday morning we snuck away and went and had breakfast. We didn't get back till 10, 30, 11 o'clock. Man, it just feels so good. Finally. You know, you don't have to get a babysitter. You ain't got to pay nobody. Yes. I mean, your kids work for free, right? So, man, you know, my son, he's, you've heard me say, he's an outside boy. He can't stand, when he's locked up in the house, he's like a tornado in a cage. It's just bad. So, Saturday morning, we get back to the house, and me and Cheryl are kind of walking in and out the house, doing some things, and I hear Virginia hollering at him, and they're fussing. And I'm like, oh, Lord, because it was peace. Me and, me and the wife had breakfast. We had good conversation. We held hands in the truck. We talked about things. It was very, very sweet. It was a good time. You know, I mean, listen, I was stacking up some points, buddy. Let me tell you, I'm like, if I'm pinned in the truck, I'm pouring it out, cuz. Big spoon, just like icing on the cake, baby. I mean, I was icing that thing down. I was, I was whispering sweet nothings. Oh, like I was pouring it on. And then so it's peace, right? So then we get home, and now all of a sudden, Virginia's screaming at Ethan. And I'm walking in the house, I'm like, what's wrong? And she's like, he raised his fist at me. He goes, well, she grabbed me around the neck. I go, hold up, who did what first? She goes, well, he raised his fist at me. I said, all right, then stop right there. And I, I got on him. I said, let me tell you something, boy. That's my daughter. And darling, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I can feel my blood pressure. And my eyes are starting to black out. And I was like, that's my daughter's. Don't you ever, ever raise your hand and my girls and my wife. And boy, he kind of, as I brought it in a different perspective, that's my daughters and that's my wife. And I say, if you ever raise your fist, you better be ready to use it. 
Boy, he, I walked out the house. And I said, I got to give him an opportunity to fix this. So a little while later, we went to track the supply and we're riding in the truck. I said, hey, did you understand what I was saying to you? Yes, sir. And I talked to him about respecting his sisters and his mother, and it brought it all back around. But I established peace in my house. I guarantee you he will never raise his fist to my daughters again. Are you with me? I want peace in the house. Now, he'll probably do something else. That's a guarantee. But he will not raise his fist. Right? And I established peace in his heart after it was all said and done. Yes, I got strong with him, but it needed to happen. Why? Because I am the professor of peace in my house. If Jesus says I can have peace, then by golly, I want it. If my wife gets crazy, which she don't ever get crazy. But if she does, I'll try my best to establish peace. I'm talking big. I'm about to walk in pride. I better get out of here. Because some of y'all are going to tell her. I know you. Oh, he said this. Sister Cheryl, he said. And then there ain't going to be no peace when I get home. In fact, there ain't going to be no peace on the ride home. A bunch of snitches telling on me. Let's look at what John says. John says this. He says, don't let, in, in John 14, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust always in me. Peace I leave with you. It's left with you. My peace I give you. And I do not give it to you as the world gives with the ability to take it back. I give it to you like I give it to you. And it says, Don't, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. You ever leave something at somebody's house? You ever have somebody leave something at your house? Anybody ever come drop a cat or a dog off at your house? Yeah, they left you with something, right? And they ain't coming back to get it, right? You got to get rid of it, right? Yeah, it was a gift that keeps on giving. But his peace is for us. He says, my peace I leave with you. I give it to you. It's yours. Use it. Walk in it. Live in it. Here's a good clue. If you don't have peace, you need to get something right. If you don't have peace, something's out of order. Amen. If you don't have peace in business, something's out of order. If you're getting stressed out, how do I know this? Because I lived it. If you're getting stressed out and you're getting run down because of business, then something ain't right. Chances are you're trying to do it in your own strength. When the Bible says not by might, not by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And as believers, we need to learn how to work by his spirit and not by our strength. That's a valuable lesson I learned. That I'm now applying to my life. Because I'm strong, I'm naturally strong, I can make things happen. But he's he's telling me, every time I try to use my strength now, he's going, not by strength, not by might. But by my spirit, he says. In other words, you're not getting the glory for this. I'm getting the glory for this. You want to do something for me? You're going to do it by my spirit. Not by your strength. And when we do things by his spirit and not our own physical strength or intelligence or abilities, you know what we get? Peace. We get peace. So a good guide is that, you know what? If peace runs out, something's wrong. Because he said, I left it with you. I give it to you, not like the world does. So if something's messing with your peace, you need to figure out what that is and get it straight. Amen? Listen, there's been times I've run the devil out of my house. I've run the devil out of my kids. A couple times I had to run the devil out of myself. I'm serious. I had people, we have parties all the time in my house. Big old family, man, 30 people at the house. And when people leave, sometimes they leave their junk, their spiritual junk. Sometimes I got to get some oil. I put it on a rag and I walk around the house and I 
devil leave. And I'm tagging everything. Dog passes by, poop, hit the dog. And sometimes he tries to steal peace. Right? Let him throw up in the middle of the night on the floor. You ain't got no peace. You got to get rid of that, whatever's causing the peace. <laughs> Hang on to peace. It's yours. He's giving it to you. Don't let it go. If you ain't got it, find out what's stopping it. Amen. Come on. It's yours. His power is yours. His presence is yours. His peace is yours. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. Oh, but don't worry about anything. He said, don't worry about anything. Stop worrying about everything. Don't worry about anything. I'm talking to me. I'll just get to listen. Don't worry about anything. What's anything? Anything. What's everything? Everything. You can look it up in the Greek, the Hebrew, Japanese, Chinese. It still means everything. Right? Don't worry about anything. Instead, here's your option. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. You need to have a spirit of thankfulness whenever you pray. Lord, thank you for everything you've done, Lord. But this stupid dog keeps throwing up and I just need you to take him out. It's time for Jax to go to Jesus. (laughs) Hey, you got to pray. I mean, we we had a dog one time. I was my wife's favorite dog and she's getting old and poor thing. Her eyes were like this and you sneak up. You snuck up on a dog from the front. I mean, you didn't come from the side because she could see you on the side. And and so the dog started wandering off. It's getting kind of senile. And I don't know if another dog got it or coyote got it, but tore her up pretty bad. And she's laying. So we we couldn't find her. So we we come out one night. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, what's the dog's name? Daisy. Daisy. And Daisy's right there by the door, and she's all broke up. And, and I felt bad for the dog, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I'm not a cold-hearted man all the way. But a part of me was like, thank you, Lord. And so we bring the dog in the house, and my wife goes, pray for her. I'm thinking, dang it. Dang. i got to pray for the dog. I was like, no faith, no faith, whatever you, no faith. Not even mustard seed faith, no faith. And Lord healed the dog. Okay. Anyway, we ended up putting her to sleep, but it was just, you know, it's a funny story. I had to pray for the dog that I didn't want because she was getting old and she was messing up my peace. She left hair everywhere and she'd bark for every little noise. And I was trying to establish peace and I didn't get nowhere with you on that. That wasn't a good point. Erase that one. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace, his peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds. Think about that. His peace is going to guard your heart. So when things are coming and they're trying to steal your peace and they're trying to steal your joy and all these things are happening. If you pray about it, you say, God, I need help with this. His peace comes and his peace guards your heart. Amen. We had a we we got a serious plumbing problem in my house. I've been dealing with this week. And I got we live on a house on a concrete slab. And my son's bedroom had water in the middle of the floor. And so finally we pulled the carpet back and there's water coming out through the slab. I'm a concrete man. I know what that means. And so I'm starting to get frustrated. It's like I was telling Greg this morning, we had some money come in and I had all these plans for this money. And now it's going into this stupid leak underneath the concrete. Okay. So I'm, I'm getting welled up and think I'm starting. I'm about to lose it. And my pastor calls. He says, Hey man, of God, what's going on? Oh man. I got a leak underneath the house. He just stopped. He goes, 
Let me pray for you right now. Lord, I pray, I can't fix this plumbing, but Lord, guard his heart. And he prayed that over me. And let me tell you something. It changed. I want you to know what? So what? It's a leak. That's right. Then the plumber gave me his bill. <laughs> no, no, no. His estimate. I'm like, it's a leak. It's just money. There'll be no leaks in heaven. But he prayed for me that, that the peace of God would guard my heart. And it did. It really did. And I'm fine. I mean, I don't like it. I mean, they're coming Tuesday. They're going to tear walls open, pull my hot water heater out. It's all right. His peace is guarding my heart. Are you with me? Now, I could say forget the peace and get mad and beat the dog. Right? But I'm not going to do that. Got laws against that. But he says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Listen, he already knows what you need. He just wants to hear you say it. Right? Just say it. It doesn't have to be long. Just say it. Thank him for all he has done and he will experience God's peace. Second Peter 2, 1, to 2, 1, 2, and 3 says that, May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. I pray for more peace and more peace and more grace over you. Paul prayed that over over all of his churches. When he greeted them, he says, may the peace of God, may the grace of God abound in your life. He knows the importance of having God's peace. Amen. How many of you just want to stay in peace? I mean, you almost want to be like a hippie. Peace, man, peace. When you're a spiritual hippie, oh, peace. Everything is good. Praise Jesus. Right. I want to stay in peace, man. I don't have to smoke a pipe to do that. Right? It's already been given to me. So we can experience God's power. We can experience God's presence. We can experience God's peace. Only when we experience God's salvation. It all starts with his salvation. And as much as I love his power, as much as I love his presence, as much as I love his peace... I don't get none of that until I get salvation. Amen? Amen. Until I get salvation. So are you seeing this? That this is something he allows us to experience. It's almost as if he said here, I give you the right to walk in my power. I give you the right to walk in my presence. I give you the right to live in my peace. What are you going to do with the right that you've been given? I give you the right to be saved. I allow you to experience that. Amen. This is for us. It's not something we have to earn. Are you with me? You got to get past that earning thing. This is something that's already been given. Just like the peace. He says, I leave it with you. I leave it with you. Doug might be telling me it's time to go. I don't know. I didn't say nothing about a Ford, man. I got to get a Ford guy back there. But he's, he's given us that. He's allowed us to do it and allowed us to have it. So can you stand up with me this morning? Just right now where you're at, I just, I want you to go through these four in your own spirit, in your own mind. And I want you to think about it experiencing his power think about experiencing his presence think about experiencing his peace and his salvation and and let me just encourage you with this if you're lacking in any of those not that you're fully completely out of it but if you're lacking for some reason with any of those if if there just seem to be lacking you're running low then ask God Lord I want to be back in your peace 
Lord, I want to experience your power in my life and in those, the life of those around me. I want to experience your presence. Lord, I want to be in your presence all day. I want to be pulling wrenches at work and be in your presence. I want to be in that high-powered meeting and experience your presence. And I want to experience your peace, Lord. And if you're already saved, just thank him for salvation. Can we do that this morning? And if you're not saved, man, I, I just want you to raise your hand in a minute and let me know that you need salvation. I'll pray for you and it'd be a great day. Amen. So just close your eyes and bow your head, whatever you need to do. And just as I'm praying, I just want you to pray. Father, I come to you right now, Lord, and I thank you. I thank you, Jesus, that you're God. (laughs) You're not secondary. You're not an under God. You're not a uh, number two God. You're God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you were there in the beginning and you were there when everything was being made and it was made through you and it was made for you. And Lord, thank you for that. And thank you that, that Father, you just, you just love us. You love us so much that you allow us to experience things. Basically, your fullness, Lord. We get to experience your power, your presence, your peace and your salvation. So, Lord, I pray for every individual here this morning that, Father, we find ourselves lacking in an area. Lord, I pray you just turn it up. Father, there's something keeping us from your power, something getting in the way of your presence or your peace, Father. Show us what it is, Lord, and, and help us to remove it and, and so that, Father, we can have clear communication with you. If we're trying to find what we need in other people, Lord, tell us so that we can find it only in you. We're trying to find peace in all the wrong places, Lord. Show us. Because, Lord, peace is found in you and you alone. Father, if there are those that are here today and they haven't given their life to you, Jesus, and if that's you, I just want you right now just to raise your hand. If you've never given your life to Jesus and you want to today, just lift your hands up real quick. Real quick. Good, good. Father, I pray for those that need your presence and your power. You've left it with us, Lord. You're not taking it back. We can choose not to use it, but you're not taking it back. So thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen.